This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. We're going to continue in our studies there on the Christian graces in 2 Peter chapter 1. And we want to read verses 5 and 6. It says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. The Christian grace that we want to look at today is adding to temperance patience. Again, the word giving there in verse 5 refers to, Vincent's word study says, to bring in by the side of adding your diligence to divine promises. So we are to be adding to our temperance or to our self-control patience. And we're to give all diligence in doing that. Again, Thayer's second definition there of the Greek word spude that is translated diligence is earnestness, diligence, earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. So in adding these Christian graces to our lives, we are to be striving to add these. So we're going to be adding patience to our temperance. Now what is patience? Well, the word patience also is translated as perseverance. The Greek word translated patience here is hupomene. That word is found 32 times in the New Testament. Thayer defines that word this way. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance. In the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Strong's defines the word hupomene this way, cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. Adam Clark in his commentary said of the word hupomene, Bearing all things in difficulties with an even mind, enduring in all and persevering through all. <laughs> and then Vincent's word study says of the word hupomene, the heroic, brave patience with which a Christian not only bears but contends. The pulpit commentary says of the word hupomene, the practice of self-control with result in patient endurance. <coughs> Excuse me. So we are to be adding this patience there to our, excuse me, adding patience there to our self-control. So how do we add patience to our lives? Well, we want to begin in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Luke chapter 8, verse 15. It says there, 
But that on the good ground, and again, this is in the explanation there of the parable of the sower. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Again, patience, cheerful or hopeful endurance. And the word there is the word hopomene. And again, let's go to another passage, and that is Romans chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And again, adding patience, how do we do that? Well, Luke 8, 15 said we have a good heart. Here in Romans 2, 6 and 7, it says, seeking for eternal life. Again, Romans 2, 6 and 7. Of Jesus, it says there, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So we're to be seeking for eternal life, and that will help us add this patience or this hopeful endurance to our lives. A third way that we can add patience to our lives is to glory in tribulation. Look at Romans chapter 5 now, verses 3 and 4. Romans 5, 3 and 4. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience. The word experience there means approval, and experience hope. So right there we see that the tribulation that we go through works patience in our lives. You know, going back to thinking about the runner, the race that we're in, there in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, there, verse 1, where it says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That's that, again, hupomene, that cheerful endurance. You know, we are running. You know, whenever you get out and you run, you know that there is an end and you have to have that endurance. And whenever you get close to the end, it gets better all the time when you see that finish line coming. So that's that cheerful endurance. And another way that we add patience to our lives is look to the Old Testament examples and follow them. You know, that is one that we kind of looked at there in Hebrews chapter 12. But look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And an example of that is found in James chapter 5, verse 11. James chapter 5, 
verse 11 where it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful, the word there means compassionate, and of tender mercy. You know, you think, go back and you think about everything that Job was going through. You know, things were rocking along real well there, and then all of a sudden, Satan got involved in his life. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. And then he lost his health. Job had to endure patiently through the trials he was going through, but also through the words and everything that his friends were saying about him. And then he was also thinking, you know, why is God doing this to me? Well, it wasn't God. It was the devil. But God did allow that, and it proved or it tested their Job's faith. But Job here had a, the word hupomene, he had a hupomene type of patience, that cheerful or hopeful endurance. Now you go through and you read the book of Job, he didn't understand why things were happening to him, but he knew that in the end, everything would be all right because he knew that God would do that which is right, whether in this life or the next, and that is what happened. And how do we add patience to our lives? We are to pursue patience. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. It says, But thou, O man, flee these things, talking about the love of money there, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So we are to follow after. We are to seek to find. We are to follow patience, hopeful endurance. Pursue that hopeful endurance in our lives. Now, that's how we add patience to our lives. Now, in what ways do we need to use this patience that we add to our lives. Well, first point there is by living our lives worthy of God. In Colossians chapter 1, look at verses 9 through 13. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. It says this, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now there in verse 9 he talks about being filled with knowledge. And that's one of the Christian graces. We are to add knowledge to our lives. Verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing 
in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto God the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in light. And in verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Well, back there in verse 11, the word patience is again hupomene, that hopeful endurance. And notice that the context it's in, that strengthened with all might, all power, according to his glorious power, unto, in other words, leading to all patience and long-suffering. The hopeful endurance, long-suffering means steadfastness. We can be steadfast in our faith, notice there, with joyfulness, and that word joyfulness comes from a Greek word that means calm delight, because of our hopeful endurance and then looking forward to that day when Jesus Christ comes again. But we add this patience to our lives. We use this patience by living our lives worthy of God. Now, the second point there, in, how, in what ways do we use this patience? And that's by hoping in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. So there is the hopeful, uh, the hopeful endurance of hope that hopeful endurance that we have in adding patience in that way. And you'll notice this letter was written to the Thessalonians. Well, what happened to Paul there in Thessalonica? And we kind of get an idea what he's talking about here. Going over to the book of Acts, and whenever you look at the things that were taking place there in Thessalonica, we find the things there that there was a lot of problems. Whenever you look in chapter 17 of the book of Acts, starting there in verse 1, it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his matter was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Verse 4 says, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of chief priests, or chief women, excuse me, not a few. Verse 5, though, says, But the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar. 
and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These men that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus, and they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. <clears throat> and when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went in unto the synagogue of the Jews, and in verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So we see the things that Paul went through there, those with him as well, whenever they were had to leave the city of Thessalonica, but the brethren in Thessalonica had to stay there. And they had to have <clears throat> that patient endurance, that patience of hope. You know, we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So the brethren in Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica was still there having to put up with everything that Paul and those that were with him, that they got ran out of town. So they had to have that hopeful endurance. And another way that we need to use our patience or our perse perseverance is by enduring persecution. You go over to 2 Thessalonians now. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> It says, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. So again, they were still suffering when the second letter of Thessalonians was written. Suffering with those unbelieving Jews and unbelieving others that were there in the city of Thessalonica, and they still had to have that patience, that hopeful endurance and faith because they were enduring persecution and tribulation. And the church today faces persecution and tribulation. We may do it in different ways in this country. But in other countries, they're still facing that very same thing. <clears throat> now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 10 and 11, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, <clears throat> it says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity or love, patience, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, 
but out of them all the Lord delivered me. <clears throat> so that's enduring persecution. Now you notice he mentioned a few things here. Let's first go to Antioch, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Paul is here in Antioch. And this would be Antioch in Pisidia. And he says here, verse 38 beginning, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That's talking about, he's talking about Jesus Christ, and he is here speaking to the Jews who were there in Antioch. And we know that they were in Antioch because of chapter 13, verse 14. It said, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So here they sat down in the synagogue and in verse 15, after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. And he begins telling them about Jesus. And then we go down to verse 38 again. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of the prophets. Behold, this is Habakkuk 1.5 that he's quoting, Behold, you despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost a whole city together to hear the word of God. Verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Well, it continues to say there going through the end of the chapter, verse, 40, uh, verse 47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the Lord, word of the Lord was published throughout all the region, but, verse 50, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium, 
and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So there was the persecution and afflictions that came to him in Antioch. And then he says in verse 11 there of 2 Timothy 3, the persecutions that came to him at Iconium. Well, chapter 14 of Acts. It came to pass, verse 1, in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe and cities of Lycaonia and under the region that lied about. So there in, in Iconium, they were going to be stoned. So they left that city. And then back over in 2 Timothy 3.11, it says Antioch, Iconium, and that Lystra. Well, that was the next city that he came to. They fled to Lystra. Verse 7 says, and this is Acts 14 again, says there they preached the gospel. And we come on down through verse 19, or to verse 19, and it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So it, Paul is telling Timothy here in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, verse 11, You know, verse 10, you know the things that I went through the persecutions, the afflictions that came to him at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But he says, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And you go back to verse 10, the last word in that verse is patience. Paul there was enduring persecution so that because of his patience, his hopeful endurance. And then we go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. It says there, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. You know, he was in prison there in the Isle of Patmos, it says in tribulation and in the kingdom, he was in the kingdom, and of course we understand that the kingdom is the church, and then notice, and patience of Jesus Christ, the hopeful endurance of Jesus Christ was in the Isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was suffering there because he taught the word of God and he testified about Jesus Christ. 
that's why he was there, but he had that hopeful endurance, that patience that we must have in our lives. Now, what is another way we need to use patience in our lives? Well, that's by waiting for the Lord's return. We have to have patience. We don't know whenever he's going to come. We find out that from Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And then down in verse 42, Jesus is speaking about his second coming. He says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So we need to have patience, because we don't know when Jesus Christ is coming. He may come before we die. He may come a thousand years or more after we die. But we do know that he's coming, and we need to be waiting and watching for him. In Philippians chapter 3, look at verses 20 and 21. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Those verses read, For our conversation, the American Standard Version says citizenship. The word also means commonwealth. But anyway, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself? Where it should be, we should be anticipating, we should be expecting him. He can come at any time. Our death can come at any time as well. But we need to be expecting him. In Second Peter chapter 3, look at verses 3 through 12. <coughs> Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 12. It says this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust. Now you think about that for a moment. When are the last days? Well, Peter tells us when the last days are. They're in Acts chapter 2. In verses 16 and 17 of Acts 2, Peter says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So Peter's saying, this is what's happening now. That's what they were looking at there in Acts chapter 2. So we've been in the last days since Acts chapter 2. Now going back to chapter 3 here in Second Peter, so there are going to be scoffers walking after their own lust. Yes, that's happening right now. Verse 4, 
and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. All right, stop there and think about that verse for a minute. Where's the promise of his coming? Well, he promised he would come. He didn't say when. And you think about the book of Second Peter. Peter was executed there under Nero probably in early 68 A.D., because Nero committed suicide in June of 68, so sometime in that time period. So we're looking at 68. You go back to Jesus crucified there in AD 30. So you're looking at 38 years. And they're already going, where's the promise of his coming? As the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Well, is everything rocked along from the beginning of the creation like it's always gone along? Uh, that's easy to say. Easy to say no. Would a global flood be everything rocking along as they've always rocked along? What about the sun and the moon standing still whenever Joshua asked for that to happen, whenever the, they had the battle there with Gibeon, protecting the Gibeonites? You know, there's been some things, there have been things going on, some of them supernatural, some of them natural, but all things haven't been going along as they have from the beginning of the creation. And then he says in verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. In other words, they don't want to know. They're ignorant of it willingly. What? that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. There was land. You know, we're looking at the time of Noah here and previous to that. Verse six, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. So that world was destroyed. Only Noah, his sons, his wife and their wives and the animals that were with Noah on the ark survived that flood. That world was destroyed. The world hasn't been the same since. Verse 7 says, But the heavens and earth which are now, in other words, we're in the now right now. They were in the now, and Peter was in the now then. We're in the now now. By the same word, the same word of God, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition. The word perdition means destruction of ungodly men. So God's word is still sustaining this world until the Lord comes again. Now let's go to verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. You know, people try to take that literally. All the days of creation were a thousand years old, long. No. He's just saying here, time means nothing to God. You know, a thousand years to us, that's a long time period. The day's a short time period. God, it, time, that time doesn't matter to God. God's outside of time. God created time, and he's outside of it. 
He looks at the beginning of time. He looks at the end of time, and he's in control of all of it. God's not boxed into time. Now, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the, the people are saying, where's the promise of his coming? Well, he promised he would, and he's going to. God's not slow or slack. He's long-suffering. He wants everyone to be saved. Now, it's up to the individual whether they want to obey him or not. But he wants everyone to be saved because he is long-suffering to us. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. See, that goes back to what we read a while ago in Matthew 24. That if the goodman of the house had known what watch the thief was going to come, he'd have been ready. Well, the deal is you and I need to be ready. Because we don't know when the Lord's coming back. We don't know the day of our death. But we need to be ready. We need to be faithful to God. Because that day is going to come when we're not expecting it, as he said in Matthew 24. It says next, In the which the heavens shall pass away. The word pass away there, those two words, that means perish with a great noise. Now that's interesting. The Greek word translated great noise here means whizzing with a great crash. Continuing, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements, that from which all things have come. You know, your elements, oxygen, hydrogen, carbon, etc., etc., go down through it. All those elements are going to melt how? Fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You got people saying, oh no, the earth's going to be burned off and it's all going to be starting over again. That's not what he's saying. If all of the elements melt with fervent heat, that means the earth will melt with fervent heat. And he also, he even says it, the earth also and the works that are therein going to be burned up. All the works that human beings have done are going to be burned up. Reminds me of something I heard in a sermon one time talking about Brother Marshall Keeble. He said that he went to Texas and I don't remember who the guy was, but they flew him around all of his properties and he came back down. He lit on the ground and said, Brother Keeble, what do you think? And he said, I think it's all going to be burned up. And that's right. There will be no more earth, no more universe, because the heavens shall pass away. That would be the universe. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, the earth and everything shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in, whole, in all holy conversation, that means living, holy living, 
and godliness. How should we be living our lives knowing that this world is going to be destroyed? This universe, as we know, will be destroyed. There will be no physical things left. They will all be destroyed. And then notice verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The word melt there means to destroy by melting to liquefy. So in other words, we have to have patience. We have to have that hopeful endurance until the end or unto the end. Because we know that this world, this universe is going to be destroyed. And yet there we are to be looking for and earnestly desiring the day of God. When all this is going to be destroyed. We need to be praying for that. When was the last time we prayed, God sends your son. Well, we're too busy living life. God, God hold off a little while longer. Don't send him just yet. I don't want to die today. Well, maybe in 30, 40, 50 years. Or maybe 100 years. No, we need to be looking for and earnestly desiring the Lord's coming. See, we need to watch for him. We need to anticipate. We need to be ready. Well, what other ways do we need to use this patience? Well, by using it in our old age. In Titus chapter 2, look at verses 1 and 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, But speak those things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, that means be temperate and honorable, and also temperate, sober, using the right mind, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Use the patience, the hopeful endurance in our old age. And then by remaining steadfast, Hebrews 10, 35, and 36. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. He says, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense or reward for ye have need of patience that hopeful endurance that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise. That's remaining steadfast. You need to be steadfast and the way we can be steadfast is using patience in our lives. And then we've already looked at Hebrews 12, verse 1. Look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 because we need to use patience in running our Christian lives. 
Again, Hebrews 12, look at verses 1 and 2 this time. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, hopeful endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. Have patience in our Christian race. And then another way that we need to use patience is by allowing patience, this hopeful endurance, to work in us. James 1, 2 through 4. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. All the many things that we go through, and the word temptation here doesn't mean tempting a sin. It means a trial or a proving. God tries our faith. He proves our faith whether we're going to be faithful or not. And he said, count it all joy when you fall into those trials. Verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of our faith works that hopeful endurance that we're to have, that cheerful endurance that we are to have. Verse 4 says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. We can be complete. Let patience, let this hopeful endurance, this cheerful endurance have its work in our lives. And another way that we use patience in our lives, that's by practicing patience. We have to practice patience. Look first at Revelation 2, verses 2 and 3. Revelation 2, verses 2 and 3. There to the church in Ephesus, John wrote, Jesus speaking, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, thy hopeful endurance, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them to be liars and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. They had patience. Now we know from the verse 4 there, they'd left their first love. They left God. They were just doing things kind of like a lot of brethren do today. They're out there fighting and kicking and accusing and everything else but they're not doing it out of love. We have to contend for the faith. We can't allow false teaching to go, but do it in the right way. Do it in love. Do it in love. Have that hopeful endurance, yes. Find those that are false teachers. Find them to be liars. Bear. 
Have patience. Labor. Don't faint. But don't leave your first love. Don't leave your first love. In Revelation 14, look at verses 12 and 13. Revelation 14, 12 and 13, he says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here's the hopeful endurance of the saints. What is it? Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That hopeful endurance, because of that, we will obey the commandments of God and we will have faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 13, he says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Who are they? The ones who have hopeful endurance and obey God and keep the faith. You know, in this life, we're going to face trying times. There's no doubt about that. And there are times that things go in our lives that may want to make us give up. These are crucial times in which we must have that cheerful and hopeful endurance, that patience, knowing that these things happen to us to make us worthy of the crown that God hath promised to all that endure unto the end. Again, Revelation chapter 2 again, verse 10. Revelation 2.10. Again, this is to the church in Smyrna. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation. Ten days. Ten days, they're talking about a perfect amount of time that completes God's will. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And in order to be faithful unto death, we have to add to our lives cheerful, hopeful endurance or patience. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoy this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.